Welcome to the Out of Bounds Sports Podcast. Come with us, Out of Bounds, as we discuss and debate the latest topics in the world of sports. We have a great show ahead, so let's get to it. Check. Mahogany dashboard, I do the dashboard Gas to the floor, I'm pressing fast forward I race a NASCAR, transport Just what you ask for, don't ask me what I ask for If you can't answer, now who them Zans for? I pop dance for muscle relaxation I'm a patient, pick up the pace When I feel too adjacent to who I'm racing Yeah, I'm spacing, I'm spacing out Oh, you faded, I'm faded out Oh, you made it, I made it out But you shaded like eight mile, eight ball Corey, my man, what's happening? This is Phil Handy, assistant coach with the Los Angeles Lakers Got a nice message from Esteban Romo. Sent me a really nice message about your podcast that you got coming up. And, uh, man, I think that's amazing. Um, heard that you're a big Lakers fan. And, man, we want to send you some support, give you a shout-out for your podcast coming up. You know, Out of Bounds Sports Podcast. Sounds like it's going to be an amazing show. Man, listen, if you're going to do it, dive in. Jump in with both feet and don't look back. You know, I think that's one of the things that I've always told people. If you set your heart on something, then go do it. No one can stop you except for yourself. So let's make this podcast the best that you can make it. And uh, hopefully I get a chance to tune into it as soon as it comes out. Good luck with it. Hello and welcome to the Out of Bounds Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Harrison. Today I'm joined with a special host, I mean, special guest today, um, Esteban Romo. He's one of my great friends in the gym industry. A lot of people know that I manage a local gym in my area, and he's one of my good friends, and I want to bring him on the show today. Esteban comes on the show with 10 years of football experience, so we're going to talk some sports. We're going to talk draft. We're going to talk about his favorite team. And if y'all can see my video, we're going to talk about his favorite team. And it's not the Cowboys, which I'm going to have a problem with. But we're going to have an interesting show. But first, we're going to begin with a brief introduction from Esteban. And we're going to get into our topics of the day. So Esteban, you have the floor. So go ahead and um, tell everyone uh, where you're from. Tell them about your experiences and things like that. Cool. Yeah, um, growing up in the DFW area pretty much all my life. Uh, you know, like you said, played football for a good nine, ten years. Um, then actually moved away my freshman year. So being in Grand Prairie, uh, Dallas area, just a big area, you know, a lot of people in there, big population. And actually moved down south by Austin, actually technically an hour northeast of Austin to a little town called Thorndale, Texas. And uh, that's a population of, of 1,200. So, I mean, there is probably from pre-K all the way up to senior, 500 people, you know, 500 kids in that area. My graduating class was somewhere around, I think it was like 40 or something like that, 30 or 40, something like that. Um, but what kind of got us there is, you know, the, the football, you know, I love football. And uh, I remember we were searching, my dad got relocated from his job to Austin and, uh, we were kind of just searching for a house at that time, looking at all these, and I just remember seeing a, a huge billboard, and it had state championships on it. And uh, for each state championship, it had the team and the person's name on there. Then as we went and looked at the other side of the billboard, it had other state championships, not just for football. Uh, the football one was the highlighted one, but then you had more that were track and tennis and baseball, um, stuff like that. So I was just like, man, that's awesome. You know, that, you know, sports being a big thing for me in my life. Uh, when I saw that, I was like, this is the place I need to be at. Um, we just happened to see another vehicle there. It ended up being the uh, assistant coach, which would uh, eventually be my head coach uh, for my football team. And uh, he made some calls right then and there, found at least like three houses that were on the market. We liked one of them. And so we moved there, you know, pretty much ASAP with that. But uh, that was a whole other, you know, can of worms that I wasn't expecting. Um, I probably would have stayed in Grand Prairie if I could. At that time, I was pretty much the next one to be starting on varsity um, as a sophomore year, or at least be on the varsity team my sophomore year. And uh, going over there, there was a, even for a small town, um, you know, like football was the bread and butter there. 
it was just like how you see it in uh, Friday Night Lights or, uh, you know, Friday Night Lights, how you see it in um, Varsity Blues. It was just like that. Um, it was king over there. And so these guys, they just love their football there. And so, I mean, it, the competition was even greater at that little level than it was at like Grand Prairie High. Um, so it was actually surprising. I actually didn't make varsity till my junior year um, over there because I had a couple guys that were like 6'5 and 6'4 and they were all state and, you know, all that. So I had to kind of wait. And, you know, me being a coming from a 5A school, I kind of came in there very cocky with it. And uh, I got humbled really quick. And uh, it was pretty crazy. And, you know, just being in that small town, had to go through a lot more things. I was, I was having a hard time adjusting uh, I remember I came in and I was wearing a, it was uh, the summertime and I had worn me some, uh, I got me some new Jordans. I had uh, the new Jordans. I had some new Gary Paytons. Uh, I don't know if you remember, they like the black and white ones. Yeah, I remember yeah. those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So I came in there, I had the, the new Tommy, uh, Tommy Hilfiger jeans and all this nice designer stuff that when you wore it to the city, you know, you kind of, I guess, shown as a little bit of a status symbol that. He had a little bit of wealth, and uh, I remember seeing all these other kids, and they were had holes in their jeans, and their shirts weren't really name brand, and they all looked at me like, "What the hell's wrong with this kid? Like, what is he doing?" And, you know, I, I stuck out like a sore thumb. Um, but uh, whenever I started talking to them, time I played football, they kind of lit up, and uh, they were excited for that. And uh, then it was just kind of about time to prove myself and. Uh, that's when I was kind of in for a rude awakening and figuring out, like, man, this is, uh, this is they got some good talent out here. And I was expecting just to kind of get in there and assert myself and be the top dog. But uh, they have they have a lot of good athletes. There's a lot of, uh, like, my, my senior year, the guys won. Uh, they still, I don't know if they still have any more. They had a state record for uh, 400-meter relay. And so, I mean, I had my quarterback ran a 4-3. My running back ran a 4-3. And the other guys that were running with them, I think, were either high four threes or uh, a little low four fours. And so they had some, they had some speed on them. You know, they had some class act, uh, you know, guys that small guys. I mean, I think they had a, they had one guy that ended up going to Green Bay. He played for Green Bay uh, back in the day, and then another one I think uh, made it to Minnesota. So for that being a small town, they actually had a lot of success for you know football and sports. I mean. There's probably two people in the whole school that didn't actually play any sports, and they were considered, you know, kind of the, the nerdy people and and all that. But you had to play some type of sport there. With that uh, being said, and you uh, spoke briefly about um, some of the you know accomplishments that the school made, but I want to know some of your personal accomplishments uh, while you were at the school, um, and also whenever you saw the billboard and the state championships and things like that, did you ever envision your name being enshrined as well um, with that school being so big on football and sports? Yeah, as far as like uh, any kind of personal personal things, I didn't see a whole lot of success, um, you know, as far as like what I thought I was going to be at. Because I came from just dominating at every, you know, pretty much every level of football. And uh, I, had a good, I had a good junior year. Um, what kind of messed me up is I ended up having an ankle uh, issue, and uh, it was just on one play. I was I was already having really good stats that year for my first varsity game. I want to say I had like uh, I think three sacks. I had ten tackles and two fumble recoveries on one game. So I was like, man, this is a this is gonna be a good year for me. The next game we go play again. I had one fumble recovery already and a tackle for loss. And uh, the second series of defense. Um, I just kind of remember out of the corner of my eye, some guy coming from my from my leg, and he got me at a good time to where it popped out the my my uh, ankle. My, my cleats were stuck in the ground. He hits me, cracks me from the side, and it totally just popped my ankle. And uh, I was so mad because I know at that time I thought I was broken, and I was I was just furious. And uh, I never felt pain like that before. And uh, so I was just like, man, and so. It took me a while. I, I, I went off for two games, came back, and um, I rushed it. Next thing you know, I ended up twisting it again in practice and uh, had to wait again. And so that whole year, I was pretty much kind of useless, you know, because for one, 
not only that, but when I came back, my ankle felt good, but mentally, anytime somebody got low on me, I had to stop instead of just being kind of fearless and running through the line. I got scared and I would stop and I would try to like put my hands on them. To so you always kind of like, you, you would pretty much brace yourself for like the, the contact and that was impacted by the previous injury. Yeah. Cause I mean, I used to have a killer instinct and even still my senior year, even though it was really good, I got a first team uh, all state for defensive end and uh, also for uh, tackle offense alignment, you know, for both sides, I had to play both ways. I got, you know, noticed for that. And um, it being such a small school and then my stature only got some D3, you know, uh, look, looked at by some D3 schools. Um, but, uh, you know, just, yeah, I mean, that kind of just stopped the killer instinct because ever since like my freshman year, I used to watch, I remember I got a, a VHS, <laughs> a VHS tape and it was uh, football's 100 toughest players. And uh, of course, being a Steeler fan, um, I remember Greg Lloyd, he, uh, he kind of talked a little bit about being raised with a chip on his shoulder. You know, like he didn't really have his family there backing him. Sometimes it would be just him going to the game playing by himself. And he says he'd see little Johnny over there. And uh, little Johnny had his mom and dad, you know, hey, you know, have a great game. And in his mind, he's like, man, I'm going to rub little Johnny's dirt, you know, face in the dirt. Uh, you know, he, he, he played it ferocious. And he said that, you know, if you, if, you, if you saw a hand on the ground, he might step on it with a cleat. And that was kind of my mentality. When I saw that, you know, I know it probably wasn't right, but uh, that was my mentality. Um, even Dick Butkus, seeing him, they played with just like a, a true hatred for that, who their competitor was. That's what gave them their mental edge. And that's kind of how I used to, to play. And I played just furious, you know, fast and furious, not caring. Um, I got mad. I would psych myself up before the game just to know that my competition actually showed up without they could be on the same field with me. And that's, that was my mentality. And uh, I felt a little bit invincible. And uh, just that just that whole situation on my ankle, just it really took that away. And I bounced back and had a pretty good senior year, but I didn't have that... Uh, that killer instinct kind of was gone still. And uh, I don't, uh, you know, I never got that back pretty much. Man, I, uh, I never knew, like, you know, we, we talk, you know, often, you know, being um, co-workers in the gym industry and things like that. And um, a lot of the things that um, we talk about is more so work related. And, you know, I, I didn't know a lot of the things that um, we've conversed about, you know, here recently. And it's, you know, very interesting um, to know that you had such a you know great football background and things like that. But I want to segue into our next topic. So I'm, we're going to take our first break and then we're going to come back. Cool, cool. Sounds good. You love me because I'm Kobe. Because I'm a five-time champion. Because I'm one of the greatest to step on the court. But you shouldn't. You should hate me. Hate me, hate me, because I demanded greatness, and greatness demands everything. Love me when you become greater. All right, we're back with Esteban. So um, I, we had a really great story. Um, about his background and about where he came from and his sports and things like that. So now we're going to segue into our first topic of the day. I want to talk about this breaking news that happened in the NFL a couple of days ago. We texted about it when it first happened and it dropped uh, that uh, Rob Gronkowski, as everyone knows, Gronk um, has reunited with Tom Brady. What was your first thoughts when you heard that Gronk had made his way to Tampa Bay? Oh, man, they are a serious contender for sure. Um, you know, you got two good receivers. I think it's Godwin and... Mike Evans. Uh, Evans, yeah. yeah. I mean, and you got a tight end that's just... I mean, me being a Steeler fan, you know, I definitely have some personal, you know, vendetta against Tom Brady and Gronk, especially Gronk. I mean, he, that's when his, he, had, he played his best football against Pittsburgh. We made our defense, you know, who we are big time, you know, still curtain. We pride ourselves in our defense. And uh, he made us look like a little aluminum, <laughs> you know? Right. 
So, I mean, he's just, he's, he just elevates whenever that happens. So, I mean, just being able to have seen them and know what they're capable of and seeing them take that into Tampa Bay. Uh, me and you kind of talked a little bit off, you know, you know, through text or whatever about, um, you know, what does their defense look like, you know, but right. uh, offense is going to be definitely, you can check that off. And uh, right now the NFL looks like it's more of an offensive game. So they definitely have a, uh, you know, one up on that one. I would say they're definitely playoff contenders and, Man, it's kind of crazy how it just turns around in just, you know, less than a year. The biggest concern for me, as you know, um, Jameis Winston was at the helm last year. He um, had uh, a record for touchdown and interceptions. He threw 30 picks mm -hmm. um, in a single season, which I believe is an NFL record. Now, we know that over the course of the last four and a half years, Tom Brady has not threw that many picks. I think the total was 27 in four years. Um, but you had Jameis do that in a season. So we know uh, Tom Brady is going to protect the football, but the only thing is he going to have time in the pocket with this offensive line. It's been abysmal with, in Tampa Bay. Jameis was literally on the run, running for his life, and we know that at 43 years old, Tom Brady is not mobile, and he's never been that. So what are your thoughts on that? Man, he has a – I guess, he, you know, I don't think New England – well – that was kind of a question mark too, man, as far as like, did they really have an offensive line? Because to me, an offensive line is, you got to establish a run game. And the Patriots, I mean, they really didn't have, they're not known for their run game. Look how many, kind of some running backs that went through there. They didn't have a consistent running back. You know, whenever you hear about a good run game or a good offensive line, you know, like the Dallas Cowboys have had one of the top, top lines and, you know, you also got Zeke as a running back, but man, there's some times where there's holes in there that I could run through there and get a good 10 yards, you know? The, the only running back that New England had that I really liked was when they got Corey Dillon that one year after they the Bengals let him go. You remember when they got Corey Dillon? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he was uh, the better, you know, out of out of all of them that I can remember, you know, throughout Tom Brady's tenure with the team, Corey Dillon had to have been the one that really stuck out to me. They, I mean, they had some other talented ones, but that's the one that really stuck out to me, like the big name running back. Yeah. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he did win a title with them during during his time there. Not a lot of people do that because I think Randy Moss came out there and they lit it up that year, and then they ended up losing to Eli and the Giants on a fluky uh, a touchdown, like a, a, that catch. I mean, not a touchdown, that catch. You remember that catch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I remember like Garrett Blunt being there just because he kept he left from the Steelers uh, he, he had had he was a great one he was we had like a little one-two punch going there and he was uh you know really strong running back for us you know kind of finish it up kind of a closer and uh you know he just had he's always had some off the field issues and uh I believe it he like left during halftime or something and that's what kind of cut his ties with uh Pittsburgh and he ends up going to New England and I just remember like I mean, he was a beast for them too, uh, you know, as far as like just still being a closer, you know. But, uh, man, but I think uh, just Tampa Bay, that offense, uh, I, I think that they'll be fine. Brady finds a way. Um, what'll be kind of crazy to see will be that Byron Leftwich is the coordinator there, the offensive coordinator. And, uh, you know, how do you kind of, that has to be an intimidating situation. You know, Leftwich, he, he had some success in there, you know, but he was never the caliber of a, of a Tom Brady. So it's going to be kind of crazy to see how they both will kind of, um, you know, gel together to see if they can get something going because that's got to be a uh, definitely an intimidating situation for Leftwich uh, having to work with Brady. No doubt. Um, just because if you think about it, um, Leftwich did play in the league while Tom Brady was in the league as well. Um, he's not that much younger than Tom Brady. And the accomplishments that Tom Brady has had, Byron Leftwich didn't even have that during his own career. So it it would be interesting to see how that relationship, you know, correlates on the football field. And knowing that, you know, you have an accomplished quarterback, six Super Bowl rings, I mean, he's had um, a record season, like his run at, in the NFL, 20 years, one team, 
So it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that gels and everything comes together. Um, we're definitely going to be uh, paying attention to that in the NF- NFC. Yeah. Um, so the next topic I wanted to kind of touch on a little bit, enough about Tom Brady. <laughs> I want to talk about the draft, the NFL draft. I did a, a draft segment my last show, and we talked about the two top-named quarterbacks that were uh, mentioned in the in the draft. Also, there um, there's it, the, the draft this year is going to be littered with wideouts, like great wideouts, which is going to be very interesting to see how um, where where the, the the chips will fall with these different teams that are in need of uh, a player at the wide receiver position. So I kind of want to talk about your team needs. You know, losing, um, you know, great players in Le'Veon Bell, uh, Antonio Brown, which we'll get to him in in a little bit. We have a whole segment on your your thoughts about his impact and, you know, how he left the team in shambles. We'll talk about it. But um, I guess, do you see y'all drafting a wide out? You know, because I, I don't think Juju Smith-Schuster – um, it's going to be, you know, the, the the wide receiver that we thought he was going to be. You know, he got injured last year, and we saw what he's, you know, what what what's going to happen. What that kind of glimpse of what's going to happen um, moving forward at the wideout position with him being at number one. Now he's seeing these double teams, you know, versus whenever um, Antonio Brown was there, Antonio Brown was getting those double teams. So that means that you have Juju on the outside you know, getting open, getting down the field. So now the focus of the offense is going to be uh, on Juju Smith-Schuster. And can he fill this void, you know, that they had? Is he going to hold up when Ben Roethlisberger get back? You know, do you see yourself, do you see yourself uh, you know, as a fan and the team drafting a wide out with the draft being so littered with um, exceptional talent? Man, uh, you know, I kind of thought about this a little bit to see what our needs are going to be. And the problem with our team is we have so many question marks, you know, like I don't think we have. We do have some definitely some some holes in our armor a little bit, but they're not really they could be greater. You know, like same thing like quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger. I don't know what to expect from him because I only got to see him against New England, you know, and New England was on fire at the beginning of the, of the season. I don't know how much his elbow pain played into that. Was he a little bit injured before the season? Because the first game we got walloped. It was like 30 to three. There was no offense there. Right. That was against New England, actually. Remember? <laughs> that was New England. Yeah, so I don't I don't know what uh what Ben, if he was hurt or not. I haven't seen any reports when it comes to that. So I would love to say that I hope Ben comes back and uh, you know, we still got a pretty good offensive line. Our window's definitely closing, but I don't see that we have any kind of really emergency I guess we could say the receiver thing um, but with me man Gigi's my boy like man you know I know he had a bad season if you want to categorize it like that he definitely was a learning experience but with the rise of uh, I believe it was Deontay John- Johnson or uh, you know he, he kind of played uh, really good and he has some really great speed uh, Washington unfortunately has been a little bit consistent but these are these are guys that there's there's three guys right there that show that they do have some promising potential. Um, so I mean, we're hoping that they can come in and assert themselves, just like with with Connor. You know, uh, James Connor. He's man, he can be just a great back. And for a while, it was like Le'Veon. Who you know, you had James Connor coming in, and he was even better. You know, with me, I'm, I'm more of a I guess you can call me more of a hardcore type football player. Like I'd like to line it up and run it down the throat every time, which now that's not what football is about anymore. It's changed drastically since then. Um, but uh, I like the way that he ran because he would he would put his helmet down and hit you. Le'Veon was more about flashiness and he had to, you know, kind of stop and hesitate and honestly really never liked that style. So, I mean... He was a great football player. You know, he really he really did good for us, and we had a lot of success with him. Um, but, you know, if it wasn't for Connor having so many health issues, you know, I'd be fine with him in the, you know, saying goodbye to Le'Veon Bell. But uh, there's also been some uh, some talks about um, possibly getting him back from the Jets because 
he was actually in Pittsburgh and visiting stuff like that. So that would be a good yeah. pickup. Yeah. I, I know that you said that um, you're not really into that, but teams are, are more so successful, in my opinion, if you have a do it all back. You know, like you know, you have a back catching it out of the backfield. You know, if you have a receiver that can't, you know you can't get down the field, and you have that back that can you know equally be good with um, his hands as well as his legs. Um, that definitely, you know, um, is like a shocking arm for any offense. You know, if you have like, you know, if you go back and look at some of the backs that are doing it now, you know, like, you know, for us, you know, we have Zeke, you know, with the exception of last season, because I don't know what happened last season. But, um, you know, Zeke has been, you know, good for us catching the ball at the backfield. Um, you know, there's other backs that are, you know, good, you know, with their um, hands and you know catching the ball out the backfield so I think um, having that versatility uh, from the running back position is is going to be um, where the league is kind of going um, yeah. and, uh, and if you think about it the, the backs that are doing it all like I think Christian McCaffrey just got paid you know handsomely from um, his team and I think that he you know he deserved you know to get paid because you know, if you know you run the ball like he does, I think he's getting the ball 20, 30 touches, man. And then that, that right there, man, just it's going to be a lot of wear and tear on his body. Um, I don't really see foresee that um, that um, that workload to be um, you know basically consistent because he's not going to be able to keep doing that. I think maybe five or six years at best. I mean, he's young now, but he's small, mm-hmm. and that right there, you know, is a concern for me. You pay a back all that money, and the next couple of years he might be a shell of himself, his former self, because he's been overused. You know, you start getting that wear and tear on your body, you get that mileage on your legs and things like that. You know, and your production start to dwindle. It might be another situation like Todd Gurley. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely the the running back position is has to be that now. There's nothing else. So if you're last. If you don't have Henry on the on your back of your jersey, it has <laughs> yeah. to be your game, you know. Yeah, uh, that's what makes Henry so special to watch him because man, he's just a he's so big man. He's huge. Yeah. But I mean, look how it, it just goes to show you, like you said, the wear and tear. Look at Gurley two years ago. I mean, it was just on a tear, unstoppable. Like he got paid, man. Oh, he got yeah. yeah. He was he got paid handsomely too from the Rams, but they just let him go. Like yeah. he, he he like they had um, I think. Until a certain time, they had to pay like $10 million. And right before that last hour or whatever, he was, you know, um, released from just just yeah. released. And and what I hate is that, you know, I'm a Cowboy fan. Our metric was the Todd Gurley contract and paying Ezekiel Elliott. And I'm a big, I'm a, I'm a Zeke supporter. I, I love Zeke. I love the way he played. We've had some issues with off the field. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm running with Zeke. You know, I like Zeke. I like how, you know, aggressive he runs, but his style of play is not going to hold up for another, you know, five or six years. He's not going to be able to to um, be around as long as his contract is. You know, his contract is, you know, going to have him in a Cowboys jersey uh, for the foreseeable future. But his style of running, man, I mean, he's a bruiser and he's small. Yeah. And I was um, watching his last football game in Ohio State and I was like, man, we got to get a running back. We got to get Zeke if, if he becomes available to us uh, with that fourth pick that year. And a lot of people thought that we could possibly went and got, um, let me think of his name. Um, it was a cornerback um, for Jacksonville. You remember that? Ramsey. Which Jaylen one? Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey. And I, you know, I, I, I like Ramsey. I really did. I thought that he was a, you know, aggressive back. But if, if, if it ain't Deion Sanders, man, you know, like if you don't have that same play like Deion, you know, there's not going to be another Deion. I don't think um, in my lifetime I'll never see another prime. Like, yeah. time was, you know, it for me. That that's my metric of grading a cornerback, and we haven't seen that since prime time. So I was really out on Jalen. Um, especially since we uh, lost Murray um, with the production that he brought to the team the year that we had him. He had a record-breaking season, and we didn't see that when he left and went to the Eagles. Yeah. He ended up ultimately retiring um, after that. You know, if you um, look at it, for me, 
if you have a, a football team, you have a high production year like he, like he like Murray had, and they let him go to a crosstown rival, you know, a division rival. Yeah, yeah. They really don't have a lot, whole lot of respect for the guy. They know what he can do. They watching him train. They see what he eats and things like that. So they knew um, what was coming down the pipe for him. They ran him into the dirt. You know, you know, got all those carries on his body, and you know, basically just let him, you know, sign with another team. So we needed a back. We needed to establish the run because if you think about it, the running back position is not devalued like everyone says it is. The running back position is only devalued when it comes time for, to pay their contracts because you have different backs that can do more than just run the ball out of the backfield. And Zeke is one of those all-purpose backs. We're definitely going to you know, see a difference in emergence in this system um, that we have here. And the only concern that I have with my Dallas Cowboys is um, the coach and how they use the run. Um, when I when I watch some of the Green Bay Packer games mm-hmm. and how they were using their backs in Green Bay um, that last and final year, and what I didn't see um, in Green Bay, they didn't really use their backs like that. They was really re- relying a lot on um, Aaron Rodgers and things like that. And if you're going to rely solely on the quarterback, I like that to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I say that is because he had an incredible season last year where we went 8-8. Eight and eight. Mm-hmm. Quarterback is the most important position on the field. Yeah, I mean, regardless, you know, that, I mean, he has all the intangibles. He has the leadership skills. He has the locker room. But when it comes to making plays and it's do or die and we're, you know, needing a, a, a play, we need a, a score, I'm not sure that he's our home run hitter. And yeah. the only reason why I feel like the Cowboys are hesitant on his contract and getting this deal done <laughs> is because they're not. 100% completely sold on their product on the field. You know, they, I mean, Z, I mean, Dak is, is, is good. He's good. But yeah. is he elite? Is he, you know, is he Russell Wilson? No. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not, you know, these other, um, you know, ben yeah, like, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. You know, because we need to see, we, we, we you know, he's going to have Roethlisberger on the back of that jersey next year. But, and we're going to expect, you know, Roethlisberger to be, you know, who he's been, you know, but we need to see what that injury did, you know, for sure. It's going to be a lot better than what y'all had. You know, I know that you're going to be excited to have him back on, you know, in the in that uniform and, you know, back on the field, you know, kind of put, um, you know, some of the, you know, blunders to bed that y'all had last year with the two quarterbacks that stunk it up that y'all had um, <laughs> last year. But, you know, just going back to the Cowboys, we, I just don't think that with Dak, you know, he's never really specifically said what his contract demands are. You know, we've kind of speculated that it's north of $35 million. So what do you think about that? What do you think about um Dak, have you uh, been able to watch any of his games? Have you been able to watch some of his press conferences? Um, I know that you're not really a fan, but I know that you actually are a fan of the game. But I, but I just want to know what your thoughts are with Dak, you know, commanding such a large contract with um, us coming off an eight and eight season. Well, being in the Dallas area, you know, it's like, uh, you know, we only play about once every three or four years. Yeah. So it's one of those things where, you know, keep your friends close, but keep your enemies closer. So I actually do know a pretty good amount of uh, Dallas Cowboys, you know, especially from back in the day and kind of what's going on. And being a, I was listening to like sports radios and of course Cowboys is like the number one topic on there. So I think um, these are all just uh, what happens when, you, you know, having that great draft class. I mean, you got two great players. And so this was coming down the pipeline. And so y'all been able to enjoy it for the past, you know, three or four years. It's been a great ride. You know, a lot of, uh, you know, I know not a Super Bowl coming out of this, but 
it's been a nice ride for y'all considering what's been happening in the past, you know, the past uh, 15 years before that. And so that's what happens is whenever you hit it big like that, you're in a situation like this. And uh, unfortunately, both are requiring a lot of money. And, uh, you know, because I think Dak should get paid, you know. In fact, if I had to pick between Dak and Elliot, probably going against the grain here, I'd actually probably pick Dak. Only because it's not necessarily, like, you know, like you were saying, the running back position seems like it, you know, a lot of people think it's devalued. The problem is, is that the value is in a short time period. You know, running back's longevity is not, not super long, you know. Um, Emma Smith's record, you know, is probably going to be intact, you know, for a long time because now that's just not part of the game anymore. You know, running back's just not going to run it too much, you know, and if they do, then they're only going to last probably about five or six years in the league. Um, but look how good, like, Leonard Fournette was when he came in. Now he's kind of a little bit washed up now. Todd Gurley looking like he's on the path to being washed up. And so, you know, really, statistically, Zeke might have another year or two. Dak, statistically, he could still probably be doing something in a good five years. More, It's more uh, likely that he'll still be, you know, doing pretty well in another five years. I mean, look at Tom Brady being, what is he, like, uh, 43? 43. I know he's kind of out there, but you also have some other quarterbacks that are in their late 30s. So, I mean, it seems like it would pay off a little bit more, you know, uh, being Dak and kind of looking at it this way, I would love to have Dak on the Steelers team. You know, I would be, I would be stoked if he was on the Steelers team. Um, even if he was, even if he was backing up Ben Roethlisberger, or even if he took Roethlisberger's spot. You know, let's say that he came in. You know, something happened and he came in. He came in, and I would be happy because now I got youth back there. You know, Ben's on his way out. This could be his last year. More likely, will be his last year. I'd be super stoked from a fan point of view to get somebody like Dak to be my quarterback. I'd be super happy, you know. I'd also be happy with Zeke coming in as well, but I don't think that'd be a very long, you know, enjoyable thing, you know. So uh, that might be kind of where that's a little bit of mismanagement on Jerry's part, you know, kind of giving in to what Zeke wanted and, because the Steelers don't play that. That's why we lost, that's why we lost Le'Veon. You know, he was a great player and was an elite running back. But if you sit out, that's what's going to happen. Look at all the receivers that we lost. Antonio Holmes, uh, Plaxico Burris. Um, it's just shown that if you do that to the Steelers, you pretty much just uh, signed your letter to go, you know, to leave. You, you gave us your notice that you're going to be out of there. Um, they don't really handle that kind of stuff. And I feel that that's why we're always competitors, um, you know, going every year. You know, it's pretty much Super Bowl or bust for us. Um, especially last year, since we had a bad season, we still went 8-8, uh, eight and eight, you know. And uh, we weren't supposed to be that great, but we made some moves in there that kind of put us in a position for this year. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's just a tough situation. You know, you still got two great players, especially if you can get it done with Dak, but now – you're going, to, you're going to start suffering, you know. So if they do sign Dak these next, uh, you know, three or four years, uh, every, every other position is going to start suffering pretty badly. And I think you're going to start seeing that decline. So it would definitely be a win now type thing, um, you know. So, yeah, I mean, that's – you got your line that's starting to weaken. You know, even your, even your top dog, uh, Tyrone Crawford, um, you know, he's – that he's not just a, this invisible being anymore because before, I mean, he used to be lights out. Now you got to be worried. Is he going to stay healthy? And and if he's not, it changes your whole dynamic of your offense just from that one offensive lineman. And then losing Frederick. Yeah. Um, you know, we lost Frederick. That was um, a big blow. So it's going to be interesting to see what Dallas does um, with that first pick in the draft. Yeah. Um, we have the 17th pick, and there's um, a lot of needs, you know, on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of voids to fill. And I was kind of lukewarm about the, 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 the pairing with Dallas and Mike McCarthy mm-hmm. because with Mike McCarthy, that last and final season in Green Bay, you can just tell – that 
it, he, he didn't, the offense wasn't innovative. We knew that the, the offense was ran through Aaron Rodgers. It lived and died with Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. And he's a prolific quarterback. And yeah. you already know that. When, mm-hmm. you know, 12 is back there, magic happens. He tortures our team tremendously. Every time we get to play Green Bay, it's always some kind of, you know, magic that happens, you know, when he's back there. Yeah. And, and I think when you, when you coaching, you know, coming from the coaching pedigree, Mike McCarthy, he's had, um, you know, great quarterbacks throughout his career. I think that he was on the coaching staff when Steve Young was in San Francisco. Yeah. So he he he's always been blessed to have um, great quarterbacks. Yeah. And how much of um, you know his success has been his coaching. Mm-hmm. You know, and just you know, like it just goes so like you know you have good talent around you or whatever. And I just don't see. I need to see like his innovation, like his uh, like what his offense really entails. And because we we don't really we we have a. A, a start on the rise, but he's always had like, you know, great opportunities to to coach great quarterbacks, you know. And then you get Brett Favre. He had Favre, you know, for a few uh, years, and then you know, right after Favre, you get Aaron Rodgers. Like you couldn't script that career, and then he wins a, a Super Bowl, you know, at the AT and T Stadium. Yeah. Um, you know, back in I think it's 2011 when they when they won it. Yeah, that we don't want to bring that up either because that was against the Steelers. <laughs> I wasn't even gonna say it. <laughs> I wasn't even gonna say it. How many? I mean, how many does Ben have now? He has three now, don't he? he got two. Should oh, two, two. Two. Okay, yeah, he went. He he went. He went uh, three and one two. Yeah, I remember um, when they won that title in Detroit. When uh, um, I think it was Jerome Bettis's last year, that was the first one. But even then, like he wasn't, you know, Big Big Ben was a blip on the radar on that team. Like they had all kinds of talents on both sides of the ball, and yeah. um, he wasn't, you know, that leader. Even both Super Bowl, both both Super Bowl uh, titles that he has, it wasn't. I, I, I excuse me, you know, if I'm wrong, and I'm not trying to ruffle your feathers here, it wasn't because of him. You know those those two Super Bowls that 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 they won, it wasn't because of him. Um, they they had great talent around him, and after all those talented people left, we we know that Big Ben is a great quarterback. You know he's one of the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history. He's going to go to the Hall of Fame, but his leadership is in question. What yeah. has he done since all the other pieces has left when he was the guy? Yeah, they haven't really. Um, you know, done anything since then. You know, all the great people that has walked out of that building, has played on Heinz Field, has been under uh, Cower, has been under um, Tomlin the first few years of his career. Yeah. Big Ben hasn't um, done anything since. Like, they, they make the playoffs, cool. But, you know, you said that it's championship of us. And he hasn't really proven himself um, as a leader. Your thoughts on that? He shows some uh, invincibility at times, you know, just being able to extend the play. Um, Also, that's been attributed to us having just great receivers that have come out of there. I mean, Antonio Brown being the top one, but you also believe – uh, Santonio Holmes or is it Plexo Coberts or Santonio Holmes that were uh, the original starter and you had Antonio Brown as an up-and-comer that really wasn't uh, seen too much as somebody who was going to be that great but he had glimpses of it um, you know and then uh, Emmanuel Sanders you know we, we had him as well and um, Nate Washington so, I mean, these are guys that you have those that went over to lead other teams once they left there, and they weren't even the number one prospect, when, you know. And then, of course, having your running backs. But, uh, yeah, I mean, for b- being a vocal leader, you know, I don't really see him as being that. But uh, from what you hear from other players, you know, even on the defensive side, um, you hear a lot of good things about him. Uh, I think really the only person that's ever kind of really spoke negatively was 
Antonio Brown, which he's kind of losing his mind pretty much. But he kind of retracted that statement and, you know, said that, you know, pretty much reached out to him, said that he didn't really know how good he had it type thing, you know, with Big Ben. And so, I mean, uh, I think he's asserted himself and uh, he's definitely led some, like, you know, in the Super Bowl against the Cardinals. You know, that was a, a comeback type thing that we had to do when he found uh, San Antonio Holmes in the end zone. You know, it kind of showed that type of uh, leadership and, and drove it down, drove it down the field and got that last uh, touchdown, which was just, was insane. That was like one of the craziest finishes ever, you know, with that. But he's definitely always had a good defense to lean on, you know, right. for the most part. Um, so, I mean, that, you know, I can kind of see where that, where that comes from, but uh, I definitely wouldn't want to have it any other way you know I wouldn't want to have any other kind of quarterback because I feel like he's put us in the, in the great position even his uh, rookie year uh, that he first started with us team went 15 and one and uh, he started about five games in but he uh, I remember they were a good team and they beat uh, the Patriots and then they also beat um, another top team back to back and he was playing. He started those games, and that was as uh, pretty much as a rookie, you know, our first year quarterback coming in. So I got a lot of admiration for him, and that's I'm hoping that he can kind of get his last one. Whether I don't, you know, I don't think we'll win a Super Bowl or anything coming out of this. It'd be nice, but I just want him to have another little successful season, and then just kind of ride off, you know, ride off into the sunset. And, and leave us to kind of scramble and figure out who's going to pick up the pieces after that. Mason Rudolph. Oh, man. Gosh, you, you don't want to talk about Mason Rudolph? I'm, I'm a big Longhorn fan, like diehard Longhorn fan. I love my Longhorns. I don't really pay attention to any other college. So, I mean, I know that they had good receivers coming out, but I'm wrapped up in, in all Texas Longhorns, and it's been kind of a tough one. But um, he was an Oklahoma State guy. <laughs> so... I really don't uh, care too much for him. To me, I think he's a little bit of a whiner. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's uh, some allegations uh, of something that he had said. And whether he said it or not, just him whining would make me want to hit him with him myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've watched that play, man. Um, I'm kind of like, for me, you know, we're going back to uh, just so the listeners, you know, know what we're talking about. Um, the the play at the end of the the game against them and the uh, the Browns. Yeah. And when um, the guy struck him, you know, with the helmet. Yeah. It had to have been something said for yeah. a man to try to, to rip the helmet off and then hit him with it. Yeah. There had to have been something. Now you know it hasn't came out yet. Mm-hmm. Still, yet, but for him to attempt to remove this man's helmet and strike him with it, yeah, he had to have said something to provoke that reaction. Yeah, and we wasn't there. You know, it's unfounded what was said and what happened. Mm-hmm. But um, Miles Garrett, he's never been that. He, you know, he's you know he he's never really shown that kind of character yeah you know in the past at least I haven't seen it I don't really follow the Browns like that I mean who does yeah. <laughs> but um, moving right along um, we talked a little bit about AB and this is you know I'm gonna um, this is gonna be the last couple topics uh, we're gonna talk about AB a little bit and then we're gonna um, you know start ending the show but what could have been? Let's talk about that. Like, you have an immensely talented wideout. Yeah. Hall of Fame wideout, without a question. You know, if he didn't have any off-the-field issues. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, you know, that's that's in consideration now. You know, going into the hall, it has, you know, that plays a big factor in you getting in. But... What could have been? You have a, a wide receiver that had all the accolades, all the records. I think he had six seasons over 1,200 yards. And 
he's immensely talented. He can get out of his breaks quick, man. He can, um, you know, take take top off the coverage. Um, you know, he can play the slot. He's small, you know, with, you know, how small he is. He, he, he looks like a slot receiver, but he can get down deep too. Yeah. Um, just that one game he played for the Patriots, you know, like you could just see, like, you, you can already say, you know, book them a ticket. They're going to go to the Super Bowl. You know, that's what kind of wide receiver Antonio Brown is. He's still quick, you know, at 31, I think. He's still quick. He's still, you know, we know he can play. He can get on anybody's roster right now and make an impact. But he just couldn't get out of his own way. So what do you think could have been and what do you think his impact since he's been gone has left your team? Man, uh Imagine having just the greatest girlfriend or whatever, and she's just perfect. And all of a sudden, just one day, she's not that interested in you anymore. That's kind of what it feels like. Yeah. Just for, you know, seeing him growing up and he's our own crop. Like we, we made him, you know, kind of not necessarily we didn't make him, but we we're the ones that brought him into the NFL. We're the ones that kind of did his thing. He got to study under San Antonio Holmes. And uh, was just a, a number three receiver, pretty much. And uh, to see him blossom into what he did is something that was never expected. And uh, the things that he'd done, you know, like there's so many iconic moments, uh, twerking in the end zone, uh, you know, it's, you know, business is booming. Um, the kick from that kick return where he kicked the ground punter uh you know in the chest and um so many great moments that were just as a fan so much to cheer for whether you were just a fan of football or you were a Steeler fan seeing those things made you smile and you're like what and you know you know caught your caught your attention on ESPN and it's on you know shared around uh so to be a part of that was just something great and he's your own you know right Uh, he's, he's on your team so you're like man I'm feeling great um, you know, but to, to see that the way the, the way things ended, uh, his final games, you could just I was in the complete shock because I'm like, what they're saying that he didn't really want to play like, you know, what's what's going on? And and I'm just kind of thinking like, well, you know, receiver diva, you know, that, that's what that's what receivers do. They kind of they have more of that diva type, you know, uh Attitude, and so I'm just thinking it's going to kind of brush over. Then I start hearing that they got a little conflict between him and Big Ben, and this and that. I'm still thinking that this will blow over, and then next thing you know, he's going out of Pittsburgh, and I'm just like, man, like what, what happened? You know, just sitting here, like, you know, these questions that are just like going through my head, like, how do we just lose like the number one receiver? Um, you know, and, and so I mean, just it, it's a shame. There's so much talent that he's wasted now, you know. And I guess the the number one thing is for him to you know see somebody, and hopefully he's getting the help that he needs. But even to this day, I start you know seeing those rumors about him trying to come back. Even Tomlin said that uh, once a Steeler, always a Steeler. He made that comment. That still makes me like hopeful, you know, that he would come back home to us. I was gonna ask you that. That was gonna be my next question. Yeah. Would you accept Antonio Brown back into the fold as a fan if oh, he yeah. was? It was an opportunity where you know he got his shit together, mm-hmm. and now he's you know on the straight and narrow, got something to prove. Because right now it's no team that's really you know out there that's willing to take that risk. He's a locker room hazard. Yeah, we know what he can do on the field. It's his behavior off the field. It's the stuff that he's doing, um, you know, in the locker room. You know, mm-hmm. there's one incident where we, it was a story that came out. They was in the middle of um, a team meeting and Mike Tomlin is rallying the group. That's a sacred um, environment. Yeah. You got the coach getting the team ready to go do battle. Yeah. And he's on Instagram Live mm-hmm. while yeah. the coach is speaking. I remember getting on that feed too as well when it happened. <laughs> I was just like, what's going on here? Wow, like seriously, Antonio Brown? You know, and, and and like I said, I'm a fan of talent. I love the, you know, the NFL. 
I've been a you know cowboy fan for all I can remember. You know, I, my stuff goes back out. You know, when we had you know Michael Irvin, Alvin Harper, Mike Tuane. You know, we had those guys, man. Like that's yeah. how far back I go back. And um, just to you know, just to see you know such a talented you know um, football player, you know, and just waste of talent and things like that. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's it's very sad. It, you know, we've seen it before, but not to this extent. Like, so he needs to be checked for, like, some kind of CTE or something like that. You know, yeah. so, like, you know, he really needs to, before he actually gets, you know, integrated back into the league, it needs to be a lot of, you know, tests, you know, see exactly, you know, where his mindset really is. Because right now, I think Antonio's never really hit rock bottom. He still probably got a little bit of money. He still got his properties and things like that. And he's still a commodity. But what's going to happen when the NFL, the whole entire league, all 32 teams be like, nope, we're not going to do it. Yeah. It's going to be a situation like that. And then we're probably going to see him like in the XFL or the uh, Canadian League or something like that. Yeah. And, you know, just talented, just wasted like that, man. Like right now, this is Antonio Brown's prime years. He needs to be in somebody's um, – football organization right now training to get ready for a season right now he's just kind of looking to see who's gonna take a gamble on him you know and I think he really really messed up whenever um he uh, got released from Oakland and he was you know ran out the house and said I'm free I'm free you know it's like <laughs> wow like like something's really wrong with this dude man yeah but um that's the bun I want to um kind of um find a landing spot but I, I normally have a seg- segment at the end of the show. It's uh, like, a, like a little small Q&A. I got yeah. these um, these cards. They're called pod decks. I got about 50 questions. Mm-hmm. We're not going to go through all 50 questions. But these are <laughs> called pod decks. And cool. there's um, basically like these, um, you know, unfiltered questions where you kind of, you know, think about the question and then you give me your feedback on um what you think about the question, like your answer to the question. So I'm going to give you five questions from the Poddex card deck and kind of like, you know, tell the listeners, like, you know, your thought process when it comes to these questions. So I'm going to get started with that and then we'll end the show on that note. All right. All right. So the first question that we have here, who played you in a movie? Who played me in a movie? Mm-hmm. Oh man, that's a good one. Uh, my ego would want to say The Rock because he's just all around badass, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I don't, I don't really know. There's not too many people that would be kind of that I would say could play me. Um, man, that's a good question. I would say I'd like to have The Rock play me. That'd be a, a okay. big time honor. That's cool. Um, now these questions are completely random I just picked up five cards from the deck and these are like random ass questions so um, and answer them the way you feel so the next one which band or artist dead or alive would play at your funeral Um, I'm actually uh I like, I guess I got a little more of an old school, like I like to mellow out. You know, one thing that I always had was uh, growing up, I did have a chip on my shoulder. I had a real bad temper. And so I had to go through these uh, more mellow types. So I'm actually a big country fan, but I'm also a big kind of Beatles fan as well. Okay. And so I listen to the Beatles. That's what kind of relaxed me. Um, and so if, if I could get the resurrect, you know, half of them to come back and, and play, you know, some songs that I think, I think everybody would be uh, happy on that one. But yeah, be, okay. Yeah. Wasn't expecting yeah. that one. <laughs> Next, I don't know how much reading you do, but what belongs on everyone's bookshelf? Oh man. Uh, David Goggins, you can't, you can't hurt me. That, that book is uh, super powerful. I mean, just uh, I'm, I'm actually listening to it again for the second time just to just to hear it again, his story of everything that he had to overcome from abusive father and, um, you know, just pretty much, you know, seeing like he struck out in life and just taking it and saying, no, I'm not, 
I'm not done. I'm coming back. It's uh, right. the biggest, uh, you know, zillionth uh, human that you could ever think of. And, uh, you know, very inspiring story as to everything that he's overcome and just kind of said that I'm not I'm not done yet. Uh, his biggest thing uh, said during one of his speeches, uh, he said, don't stop until you, he said, don't stop when you're tired. Stop when you're done. Right. That's something in my head that I love. Okay. Definitely have to um, look into that book, man. It sounds like a very interesting read. Um, next question. What's left on your bucket list? Left on my bucket list? I mean, uh, I never, uh, I like being a Texas homebody. I love my state of Texas and it's kind of, oh, I mean, that's where I wanted to be, but uh, my younger sister, she's uh, been blessed to have a, a job where she's been able to travel the country and just some of the pictures that she's taken have kind of inspired me to start trying to do some traveling eventually. You know? So hopefully I can kind of get into a position where I have, uh, you know, some spending money to be able to go and see these beautiful sites, you know, like even you've seen pictures of Egypt, but just to be actually able to see the pyramids in front of you, you know, things like that, that people have built. And, uh, you know, not being a, necessarily a homebody. I mean, I've always been a homebody, but uh, experiencing different things, I think what kind of made me want to go to that, uh, the Dallas Holocaust Museum and, and, and you know, human rights. Um, I could read about it, but just to be there and actually have that whole experience of everything is just, uh, I think it's just totally different than just being at home and, watching a video just to be able to go out there and experience those things so doing some traveling would be definitely on my bucket list that i'd like to do and go see different spots around the world awesome. last question brag to me about the best things going on in the past 30 days i know it's kind of hard to do that right now because of what's <laughs> been going on in our world yeah but, um you, you're pretty interesting. Like, I've talked to you about a lot of things that you're into. Um, so I guess, like, kind of tell me about the last 30 days. What's the best thing that's been going on in your life? The best thing is just family time. You know, I do miss my parents because I, I haven't seen them, you know, be, like, within, you know, a couple feet of them. But, you know, I definitely miss them. But just being able to spend time with my two girls, you know, just – that's been great. Uh, there's a long story about my youngest one, but basically, you know, she was a surprise, like big time. You know, we didn't know that she was, that my girl was pregnant with her. And so during that time, that's when I was opening up my new club. Had a, I've had a disconnect with her, you know, cause I, I had to open up the new club. I didn't have a lot of time to spend with her. She wasn't living with me. So for her first five, four or five months, I wasn't being able to be there like I was for my first child. So, I mean, it felt like I was very disconnected with her, even though I know she was my daughter. I just wasn't able to be there for her. And it was frustrating, you know, especially once we started living together, um, it was hard for me to like try to console her. I couldn't put her to sleep. I couldn't like, it was just like, this is somebody's kid. And so, and it, and it lasted like that. She just turned one on Tuesday. And uh, so even, you know, eight months down the road, I still didn't feel super, super close. So this past time of being off with this situation, it's really gotten time for me and her to have that bond, you know, in the process of being able to bond. And she knows I'm her father. She knows that I'm somebody that is important in her life. And uh, so, I mean, that's just been, you know, probably the greatest thing out of this whole situation is I've actually had time to be able to have that bond with my daughter that I didn't get to have, you know, at that time. So. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, always important to have that, that family time. You know, just being off from work, it's, for me, it's been a lot of uh, time of reflection, you know, really trying to, you know, figure out what I want to do, you know, in my life. Yeah. And I really never, you know, with our jobs and our field of what we do, it's, it's you know, pedal to the metal, it's go, 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 go. And now you have this time to sit back, reflect. You have more time to do the things that you desire to do when we were working. And now that, you know, we're starting to get to the point where we may be returning back to work. I'm not sure how soon um, mm -hmm. that, that may be. 
now that we have that time that we had off, now we have more so a perspective of things that we want to do, you know, outside of this, um, you know, because it's not going to be forever. We know that. And, you know, that was kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to create um, this podcast, to have that, you know, as an out, to have something to, to kind of work on. I would always often think about wanting to start one and kind of, you know, go and do it and do it. But with the job and the thing that we would, you know, have to do during the week and things like that, I couldn't fathom, you know, adding anything else on my plate, you know, yeah. especially something like this. Mm-hmm. But I want to appreciate you for coming on, sharing your story. Um, I know that you, you know, have a lot of things that you have going on with your family and things like that. So I really appreciate um, you hopping on. Um, but before we go, tell everyone where what club you manage at, um, and if you have any kind of um, you know social media platform, if you want to shout that out, and then we can end the show on that note. Cool, yeah, man. Just uh, playing fitness in Northhurst. Um, you know, pretty much uh, they do the whole social media thing. I kind of don't put everything out there, but uh, you know, something that that might be one of those extra things on that bucket list. You know, seeing you do your podcast. Uh, Stepping out of something that you're just uh, not familiar with. And to me, seeing that as being successful, you know, I like to see that part of you. And I enjoy uh, listening to your shows. And now with your YouTube video, it's just nice to kind of see and be able to put the, uh, you know, I guess get a little more of an, of a, an emotional connect, uh, physical connection uh, with your podcast. And this has been great, man. So, you know, all the all the best luck to you. You know, stay motivated with that. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan, of, a big fan of it. And I'll continue to support you, man. So, you know, good luck with everything. And I, I appreciate that. I, I really do. Um, a lot of people, if you think about it, they, they say they're with you and they, and they say they will support you and things like that. But um I'm, I'm a part of, you know, that generation where you have to show me, show me that support. And you've definitely shown that support. I can send you a, a, an episode and you'll get right on it. You'll listen to it. Um, you know, you'll give me feedback on it and things like that. So I know you're listening to it. I know you're locked in. And I, I, I really appreciate that because I don't have a big name out there in the field of pod, podcasting. And for you, you know, to, to, to extend that support, it means all the world to me. You know, just to have, if I just had one person just to listen to it or, you know, have value in it, I've done what I want, I've set out to do it. I'm not trying to, you know, to, you know, gain millions of followers or whatever, you know, and, and things like that. If I can just get one or two, I'm, I'm good with that. That's fine to me. I mean, because I'm doing this because I, I have a passion for it. I love sports. Um, I'm starting to, you know, tap into, you know, starting to, you know, conversate with people more. Cause you know, you know how I was before. It's been kind of like a struggle for me to, um, you know, break out of that comfort zone and you know be social and things like that. So I'm doing things, you know, throughout this time that we've had off that I normally wouldn't do. And I think once we do get back to our normal routine, it's gonna only help me um, as a manager to be better um, suited for um, you know social environments and things like that because our jobs are social. You know, you have to have that hat to be able to strive, I mean, thrive in uh, a position that we hold um, with our gyms and things like that. So uh, much love to you, man. Thank you for your support. Um, I appreciate you for hopping on, man, and, you know, giving your story to everyone. You know, um, it's, it's very inspirational. Um, I'd love to get with you and talk to you a little bit more about it, but we have run out of time. So I thank you for stopping by. And we're going to end the show on that note. Thank you for listening, everyone. And we're out. If you love the Out of Bounds Sports Podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. Until next time.